Hey everybody, welcome to Hunting Ain't Easy. This is Mike Costello and I've got a, a great podcast uh, coming up here. Um, I got to sit down and talk to Dan Ryan. Uh, Dan is, uh, is a hunter. Uh, he works for the Bureau of Land Management up in Northeastern California and he is an active participant in the community in the sense that he's putting together uh, a petition to the Fish and Game Commission. And when I say petition, it doesn't mean it's something that you and I jump on and sign and click a link and whatnot, um, like we do with like change.org and whatnot. This is a petition where he's submitting a document to the Fish and Game Commission proposing specific changes to regulations, changes to seasons, changes to tag allocations, things along those lines. Um, and so Dan has, has done a ton of research. Uh, he's worked with biologists. He's worked with um, some of the nonprofit conservation orgs in the state. Um, and he's, he's consulted with a lot of hunters and people that are active in the conservation and wildlife management community to put together this petition. It's well drafted. Um, it's in the format that the Fish and Game Commission likes to see things. And he has this going in front of the Fish and Game Commission on December 15th. So it's a timely episode it's about a week out that they're going to have this in front of them for consideration and dan and i get into um, some of the details of it you know some overview information some of the details about what he's got in there and most importantly i think it's it's critical that we support this thing because first of all line item by line item it's not going to get approved next week and it probably won't get approved as is for, for quite a long time. The most important thing is that the Fish and Game Commission review, refer this petition to the CDFW for, you know, for um, additional review and consideration. That's where the sausage making happens. Um, once it's been referred to CDFW, that's where CDFW, uh, policy folks, biologists, Dan Ryan himself, can start to pick this thing apart and create um, regulation, allocation, uh, season adjustments over the next several years. So listen in. Please share this, this episode with friends um, in the hunting community. There's cr some creative problem solving going on here, and it is the kind of thought process that we need. Uh, to kind of kickstart things with CDFW and fishing game in terms of updating uh, our regulations and seasons and tag allocations, and we need um, we need people supporting this this dialogue and this creative problem solving. And so, please share this with with your friends. Um, you can let them know about the Hunting Ain't Easy Instagram page, of course, which is where I try to you know drop links and and um content updates and things like that about the podcast as well as you know what we're working on but uh share the podcast share the instagram page let's get a lot of support behind this either via emails to the commission or via people jumping on the the zoom call next wednesday the 15th of december to give their quick vote of confidence and support for this being pushed to uh, additional review uh, by CDFW. So we'll dive into it now. Um, get informed, get active, 
you know, the hunting community needs your support and your engagement and your involvement um, because we can't just do it uh, silently. So appreciate you following along and uh, here's the podcast. Hey everybody, this is Mike with Hunting Ain't Easy and uh, it's been a long time since I've had a guest on the podcast. I'm excited about this one because I've got Dan Ryan who is bringing uh, some big ideas and some big proposals to the Fish and Game Commission. Um, and so he's been kind enough to, to let me look at some of these uh, in advance while they're in draft form. But now that Dan has uh, the Fish and Game Commission's attention, they're going to let him put some proposals forth. And um, we're going to talk about that today and deep dive what it is that he's come up with uh, in terms of, of a petition, um, how we can... Uh, learn more about what he's doing and then also support it and provide feedback and really as a hunting community get behind um, some of the big ideas that, that Dan is putting forth. Dan, I'd love to um, just have you introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. You know, you're a hunter, um, you're an outdoorsman, what you do professionally, if that if that uh, is relevant. And then um, let's talk about the Fish and Game Commission meetings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my name is Dan Ryan. I, I actually live up here in Lassen County in Northeastern California. Um, I'm born and raised in California, like a lot of us, um, a lot of us are, you know, we're hooked into this state, whether we like it or not. Like it or and, not. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it or not. Yep. And, uh, you know, primarily, you know, that's um, all my family's in this state. And uh, so I, I uh, moved out of the uh, uh, I guess it's kind of, you could call it the Sacramento area, um, when I got out of college to get to Northeastern California, cause I figured that was the happy medium of being close to family, but in the most rural conservative area in California for sure. But, right um, but anyway, yeah, I, you know, lo love to hunt and fish. Um, I do love the state of California. Um, you know, I, I like to separate California into it's an amazing state with amazing resources and diversity and everything it's just a lot of times the the 30 million people get in the way um mostly with politics so mm -hmm. but other than that the, I think the state is one of the best in the in the lower 48 so um so I I, I firmly want to see some change and some support and I I really do feel like um, we're at a point in the hunting community where everybody's pretty fed up and they've one either left or they're committing to trying to see if there's going to be some sort of change in this state. Um, so that's why I think you're seeing more and more people, especially like yourself, becoming more vocal. Um, and a lot of people in the hunting community going, well, I should stop, you know, basically sitting back and complaining about it and actually do something. So, um, I work for um, I work for the federal government, the Bureau of Land Management, and okay. uh, I do uh, I do mostly land acquisitions. So when a private land um, when a private land piece of private land comes up for sale, or um, if it's not for sale at all, um, mm -hmm. I work with those landowners to see if it's something that the Bureau of Land Management would be interested in acquiring to make public. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty sweet job. Um, get to meet and work with a lot of landowners and, um, have a lot of legacy projects that, you know, these, these lands become public forever. So it's kind of a yeah unique job. And, uh, I cover the whole Northern part of the state of California for that. 
That's pretty cool. Um, are you for that type? That's that could be its own show, really, in terms of talking about what that aspect of what you do. But I'm just kind of quickly curious: is that is it typical that you would usually see a pro, you know, a, an acquisition be targeted towards t- t- contiguous property, like where you have you have a, a BLM property already? It has it has use, it has value, it has functionality, and you want to add to it, so you kind kind of put more blocks onto that, or or is this where you're starting from from scratch with a, a piece of land that isn't currently, you know, under BLM management? Yeah, so I would say in the last decade, ninety five percent of BLM's acquisitions all touch other public lands Mm -hmm. or they give us access to those public lands. So like whether it's, you know, an access easement road, you know, things like that, or it's like a small parcel that connects to a a county road that gives people through access. So that's 95% of it. But just in the last two years um, with the passage of the Great American Outdoors Act, um, they're placing a real heavy emphasis on land acquisitions um, I'm saying they're uh, basically the administrations, mm-hmm. um, both the Trump and the Biden administration actually, you know, somewhat align with those priorities as far as having access to public lands um, for the American people. So um, with that, they're placing more of a priority now on some of those things that are just the outliers. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's a, a, a large ranch, like right now we're looking at a, a large ranch that's about 3,500 acres um, in Mendocino County and it's along the coast and it's a, it's owned by a timber company right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't touch any BLM land whatsoever. It doesn't touch any other federal land. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, a it's a unique, you know, opportunity that we might be able to acquire. It's a very obviously expensive parcel, but, yeah. um, it, it could turn into, to public lands and it's, you know, three to 4,000 acres, which that's plenty of land to, to play around in. Yeah, it's a good chunk of property. That's interesting. So, well, so you get to see conservation and habitat management and land management, um, you know, from the inside, it sounds like, and with a, with a unique angle that not, most people don't get to see. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, and uh, we do a lot of stuff that goes under the radar, doesn't really get publicly displayed because mm-hmm. BLM, you know, very similar to Forest Service, but everybody knows who the Forest Service is. Unless you unless you hunt or do a lot of camping, <laughs> most people don't know who the BLM are. Right. Yeah. Forest Service. That's well, the agency you know. that closes down the forest and doesn't let us go into it during the summer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Uh, another podcast, a whole other episode or series of them is that issue <laughs> public access during the summer. Um, you mentioned I I can't I can't uh, agree enough. You know California. I've been here all my life. Um, it's an amazing state. You know, I'm in Sacramento. I've got, you know, 90 minutes or so, 90 minutes to two hours. And I'm, I'm at the beach uh, in the coastal range, you know, 90 minutes the other direction. I'm in the mountains, you know, three hours. I've got, you know, high desert. I've got, <laughs> I've got some of the most epic, you know, alpine mountain area, wilderness areas. So we have we have a lot to enjoy here and i think actually i think that the i think the wildlife is better than most people see or or acknowledge but we all know it can be better um 
I think, you know, herd management, wildlife management can be done better, obviously. Um, and so I'm, I'm not leaving, although I daydream about leaving. Um, I think there's some other states that are, have better, you know, economic and kind of personal freedom and whatnot. But, but there's drawbacks. And I know if I was to leave tomorrow, I'd buy a, a lifetime license in California, which kind of shows my hand in that I'd want to come back and, and be a participant in what we have here. So, um, yeah, I've, I've basically, I've, I'm definitely committed to rallying the hunting community to be better at communicating what it is that we do and why it's valuable to us, but also why it's valuable to, you know, the, the, the broader, you know, non-hunting public as well and just wildlife. Um, so I'm totally aligned with you on that. Um, I, I dropped the ball and was not able for myself and was not able to attend the uh, Fishing Game Commission meeting last month. And I did a quick episode as a recap on that meeting. Um, that was the meeting where I know you were there and you spoke and thank you for doing that because that's you know a good example of where one or two hunters can truly speak for the whole hunting community and represent us at the Fishing Game Commission. So thank you for that. But the issue at hand was the big game preference points and um i don't know what what was your, what's your takeaway on that and and what do you see as the next steps uh in terms of the the preference point return and possible refund um policy that they're that they're working on yeah and and before i jump into that i'll just um you know preface it with what you just said as far as you know sometimes you can make it and sometimes you can't mm -hmm. um I, I've always been a passive attendee of those meetings, meaning I just basically either listen or I, I'd, uh, you know, download them later and, mm -hmm. and look at the minutes, things like that. Um, and I, and I would sit back and complain and voice my frustrations to, to buddies, you know, mm -hmm. but, and that I would say is a, is a fairly, it's a safe bet to say that most of the guys out there are doing that if they're even watching them or even following it. So, mm -hmm. you know, what you're doing to try to get some active participation is huge. Even if we have, like you just said, one or two people, um, you know, that that's, that's key. I mean, we have like, you know, a few of the folks that are there every, every time that, that are a part of different organizations like mm -hmm. Bill Gaines and everything, and they do an awesome job, but the commission's used to seeing them every single time. And when they see new people, um, most of the time it's for, um, someone advocating for something yep. and then that person goes away. And a lot of times they, you know, they notice that even though the commission, you know, is turned over quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I would just, you know, advocate that, you know, people should just start to attend. I know, I know it's tough to take time off of work. Um, but obviously with, with more, you know, teleworking and things like that, you can have it in the background. Um, or you can look at the agenda and just show up for the public comment. They have that in the beginning for that reason. Yep. Um, you know, so, so, you know, I just encourage everybody to show up, you know, from, from me, just finally being able to participate after years and years and years of not, um, it, it is rewarding to at least voice to those people, um, that information. Yeah. So. Yep. Now quickly, you're right. It's, um, from, from the hunting community. We've got advocates that are, you know, they're paid. They're paid to be there, um, and 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 they're there, 
it's not bad that they're paid. We pay for them to be there by by our membership in you know Rocky Mountain Elk or Wild Sheep and and California Deer and the Mule Deer Foundation and whatnot and Backcountry Hunters. So they are there as our voice. They are professionals. They are paid to be there, but it's our money that puts them there. And so the commission probably knows that. But um, but boy, just and then on the other side, there's anti there's the anti hunters. You know, there's the the people that will be there, there's a couple voices and names I keep, I'm starting to recognize are there every meeting and they have the same message all the time against hunting. Um, so it's clear to see what their bias is. And so that's where I do think, you know, you know, us as individuals, as hunters, when we speak, it stands out. Um, especially if we start to be there, you know, they start to see the, some of the same people but new people, like a little bit of both, the same people and new people that are not paid to be there are not there every time with the same, you know, same message. But but speaking authentically to the topic at hand, they notice that and huge value in that. So, yeah, we've got to be there. We've got to get better at and we'll continue to work on that. Um, so tell me about the, the big game preference points, you know, how that how you kind of perceive that dialogue and, and where that is in terms of process currently yeah and um you know like you just said people show up so to preface the the big game tag reinstatement you know the whole reason that's even in front of the commission right now is because of the overwhelming number mm -hmm. of hunters that have voiced their their disdain for the the closure <laughs> of public lands yep the turning of tags back things like that so it wasn't just out of the, the goodness of CDFW's heart, even though mm -hmm. I know they have good intentions, but the only reason it's in front of the commission and actually moving forward is because, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of hunters called wanting to turn tags back, wanting point yep. reinstatements. So they, they noticed that. And that's really, you know, for anything, whether it's tag reinstatement, point reinstatement, or these big game changes, the only way to get change in the government is to have overwhelming support and, and participation and so um so yeah with with the tag reinstate or um point reinstatement and tag returns you know again that is twofold from you know public land closures caused by the overwhelming amount of wildfires in the state of california and so mm -hmm. in some of these units you know you're dealing with you know the entire season that entire hunting season is closed basically you know, because there is no BLM or there's very minimal BLM that's open or any other public ground. Um, and the state recognizes that some people can't afford to hunt private land mm -hmm. um, or some people can't hike into, you know, a BLM wilderness that might be the only thing that's open. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they did recognize that. And, and so they put together this proposal um, that now it's, it's, it's going to be passed. But, um, you know, that you can turn your tag back. Um, and this year, especially, which I think, I, I think we both voiced our, our, um, issues with it, but it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be a late and they, I, I'm trying to remember the date, but I think it was like February, um, or yeah. March the person <laughs> has to turn their tag back, which again, you know, I don't know how then they would prove that the person didn't hunt on the tag and right. maybe, you know, didn't have a good hunt. So they just turned it back. But anyway, people can turn their tag back, um, you know, for, they have to show that it was you know, closed or the hunt was impacted. And I think it was a 65% of the unit was closed or burned or, um, you know, basically impacted by that fire. 
Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so they have to come in to the department and um, request that um, tag return and point reinstatement. Um, now, the refund side of things, I'm not sure what exactly has been decided. I think they might be talking about some revisions to that this next meeting. Okay. Um, but right now, it's the the more, um, I don't know, what to, it's, it's antelope, sheep, and elk are the ones that you're eligible for refunds. The expensive hunts. Um, yeah. The, ex <laughs> the really the expensive, expensive hunts. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, right now, well, at least from last meeting, the, the deer was not eligible, the yep. deer tags. Um, you know, there was some voiced uh, frustration with that, that people wanted their refunds. Um, you know, for me personally, I could go either way. Um, I think most hunters that understand the preference point system, um, right. just at least at a minimum, want their points back. But, you know, $400 for an elk tag is a tough pill to swallow if you don't get that back. So, right. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all burn more gas just getting to the zone than the deer tag costs. Um, yeah. especially in today's, today's situation. So yeah, I saw, I, I watched it and then I, I was able to download it and, and I'll, in the show notes for this call that you and I are having, I will put a link to that as well. So that the, the links are out there. You can get to the document itself and review it. Um, the two things, the two questions that I had when I was looking at it is it says 66% of the unit is, has to have been closed. And my question is this, is it 66% of the land has been closed for one day or in aggregate 66% of the hunt off of like the public land hunt opportunity was gone. So that would mean like a hundred percent of the land was closed for 66% of the days. And I don't know if they've defined that yet. And I think that's a, that is administratively a gray area, which could, could become a nightmare. Um, because yeah, it's, and, a complete, it's a completely different bar. Like it's a completely different yeah. bar. Is it is it 66% for one day? Well, boom, like everybody could have hunted from that day forward, you know, day two forward if it all opened up. Um, or, or if it's a high bar where it's like, hey, two thirds of the unit has to be closed for two thirds of the time or 100% of the time. So that's, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if I care where they land. I think what I want them to do is land on something that's crisp, you know, something that is easily administratively executed and doesn't end up in a big, you know, wrestling match over interpretation because that is a nightmare. If it's, if it's, yeah. in, if you can interpret it differently, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And I, I did have a discussion um, offline with, with someone about that, because that was my, my main take as well as like, well, how are you gauging what's closed, what's open? Yep. And hopefully they have that conversation, um, during the, the December meeting here. But, um, my take from that offline conversation is that the department is going to identify what zones are, are the Good. 66%. It's not going to be the individuals. So, you know, through, through utilizing, you know, GIS, um, you know, and the, the CAL FIRE closure maps, as sure. well as um, discussing with public land entities, um, being the Forest Service and BLM, you know, they're going to be able to identify that. So, you know, like a, a great example is like the, the Siskiyou bull elk hunt, mm -hmm. you know, this year was closed, um, 
you know, all the forest service in that unit was closed during the season, except for the last few days of the, the hunt. Right. Um, yes, there is BLM and there's private. Um, but you know, there's maybe a couple, you know, that a couple hundred acres really a BLM that's huntable. So, you know, I think then the p- department would then make that choice of going, well, this, this is ineligible and they'll, they'll release that list of yeah. which zones are eligible. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause yeah. they have to be flexible. I mean, it, it does create a workload for them every yeah. year and where the fires are and when they closed, when they open back up. Um, and I think, I think where, where they will be able to draw a hard line is that, that number of how much of the unit was open, mm. but for amount of time, that's, that's another big question mark because, you know, what if a person can only hunt, you know, for this week and right. it, it was open for another two weeks, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, with any, with any legislation or regular new, new regulation, I mean, it takes <laughs> a while of massaging. Um, and I think that's why they're, um, especially for this year, trying to make it as flexible as possible and as, as broad, broad of a brush stroke as possible. Cool. All right. So any, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, um, go to the show notes, download the, regu- the, the proposed regulations yourself, read them, you know, and 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 the last, um, you know, the last place I want to be in is in administrating this change because they're going to catch so much flack. And so we we as a community need to acknowledge that this is new ground, new territory. There are going to be people that don't like it. There are going to be people that feel like they got slighted somehow because it just didn't work out for them. But we we need Fish and Game and CDFW to start working on creative solutions that they haven't done before. Like we need that and they're not going to get it right all the time. And so like, regardless of where they land on this, they can come back to it and revise it. They can come back and update it. It's not law, it's regulation that they can, they can tweak. And so first and foremost, I think we as a community need to applaud their effort and applaud their, their intent and, and stand behind them and then just give them objective feedback where we have it and not turn it into a big shit show. Um, because if we do that, then they're going to go back into their cave and, and not be interested in helping us. <laughs> so, um, download it, read it, provide objective feedback and comments, and then be open to open, be open to success. Like be open to letting this thing play out for a couple years and see how it works out. Yeah. I mean, cause overall it's, this is good for the vast majority. Yeah, you know, there are always exceptions where, you know, this this isn't a great thing for certain individuals. But, you know, for the most part, this is this is, yeah, them adapting to times and uh, them adapting to, you know, to what really should be done and what's fair. But, um, yep. yeah, like you said, don't shoot ourselves in the foot by critiquing the hell out of it to where, you know, people are going to or the CDFW and the commission are going to be like, well, fine, this will be the last thing we try to right. do for you to accommodate, you know, to, yeah. to accommodate forget it, those... forget it. So. <laughs> we didn't need to do this, all this work to catch a bunch of flack. So, no. um, yeah, I mean, good, good for them on this. And, uh, you know, hopefully 
public land manager will get the whole forest management thing done, dealt with, and we won't have millions of acres burning every year. But uh, that's a different issue. So, so mo moving on, um, and speaking of good ideas that need time to work out, um, you know, tell me about tell me about the petition. Um, tell me about the petition like let's go through the whole the whole elevator pitch you know all you know all points of it and tell me about what 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 inspired this and how long you've been working on it and then and then you know kind of bullet point by bullet point we've got as much time as you need let's talk about everything that you want to cover on it yeah so um so basically a little bit of history is you know i started like basically just i keep a, a journal um for hunting and uh you know, I started writing down as I was, as I was hunting different units that would just be some unique opportunities in those units. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've even kept like all of the, the, I think they call it the big game digest. It used to, used to be a lot different, but you know, I have those even in my shop on, in my library, you know, all the way back to, to the nineties. And, you know, it's just unique to open those up and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> There's some things that that don't exist anymore, but most of them are pretty much the same opportunities we have yeah. today or the same ones that they had back in the 90s and probably, you know, earlier than that. But, you know, as far as my age goes, that's as far as it goes back when I started started hunting, um, you know, actually, you know, participating in the draw and everything. And I was always really just enthralled with all the regulations and the different opportunities and tags and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But Anyway, and then, um, you know, working for the Bureau of Land Management, um, you know, there's, there's some um, hunts that primarily take place on 100% public lands. And so, you know, interfacing with a lot of hunters and a lot of sportsmen out on those hunts, you know, some of the hunts that are, you know, maximum points to draw or, you know, mm -hmm. once in a lifetime, you know, type deals, you know, and hearing maybe some of the different things that, you know, they they experience because all of us you know we'll only get to experience maybe one antelope hunt in california maybe one elk hunt in california and if we're super picky on deer hunts maybe one or two deer hunts in our lifetime um right. on, on these special draws and so you know coming in contact with those people on a regular basis because you know if you if you draw some tags in in you know this part of north oh sorry um northeastern california yeah and you need to talk to the blm more than likely you'll be talking to me which i probably shouldn't advertise that but <laughs> I, get, I get you know hundreds and hundreds of calls every year and and most of it are from people that draw their once in a lifetime you know elk tag right. or their antelope tag or their x5v tag or you know doyle muzzleloader and so talking with these people and then talking with them you know a lot of times after their hunts you what they're experiencing because you personally would never get to experience that you know that amount of out of um, times being able to go on that kind of hunt yeah um and then also interfacing with some of the guides um has also helped with just kind of gauging what what would be great to see change um just because they they do it every every day a lot of times during the during the fall sure um, so with that, um, I got on a, a committee with the department, um, for their R3 effort. That was a few years ago and R3 stands for recruit, retain and reactivate. Mm -hmm. And so they, they noticed that the hunting and fishing community in California was, 
um, not dwindling, but, you know, license sales were going down and, mm -hmm. and satisfaction was going down. And so they wanted to look at um, what they could do to, to change, what they could do to recruit people, retain people and reactivate people. And so um, I led a subcommittee for the licensing structure. And we basically looked at the licensing structure of California and um, tried to figure out what we could, what, what the department could do different that, um, you know, would, would not only provide more opportunity, but also provide more satisfaction yeah. to the, the, you know, current individuals as well as the new people coming in. Um, and so that, that committee, you know, was made up of, you know, people from the government, but also just, you know, people, members of the public were on that committee. Um, a lot of our nonprofit organizations, there was a, a person from big five, you know, like, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of people that, you know, are a part of that, you know, a part of that world. So, um, so anyway, we, we put together a decent uh, proposal that went to the department for um, basically, you know, acceptance. And, you know, what that means in, in government standards is like, oh, all right, we accept your plan, but, <laughs> you know, X, Y, Z still needs to be done in order for any of it to be implemented. Right. We accept it. It means it's in yeah. our hands. Yeah. It's in our hands. And We're so, not going to do anything with it, but we accept it. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so basically after that, what it was up to was, you know, basically individuals and organizations to push the ones that they felt, you know, deemed appropriate. And so, okay. you, had, you know, if anybody's on email list for CDFW, they noticed that, you know, there's a lot of emails for new opportunities for, you know, uh, people to learn how to, you know, do the, um, what's the second tier hunter education where they can teach, you know, how to, you know, how to gut a deer, skin a deer, things, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And so they've really ramped up those programs. They've ramped up their online license sale program, like the auto renewal side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and they've started to look at, you know, how to retain people that have bought licenses. And so, you know, trying to make the system easier. Um, and I think we all, if, if you've been doing, doing this for long enough, I think we all know this, the system's fairly easy once you, once you somewhat understand it. But if, if you want to go get your hunter safety and go buy a hunting license, go buy a deer tag, um, if you're computer savvy, you can do that, especially now. I mean, the hunter safety is online and everything like that. Yep. Um, well, what, what that did, and there, there was already an increase um, of number of, of folks buying tags, putting in for, you know, uh, refuge applications for waterfowl hunting, putting in for big game applications. So we already saw an increase, mm -hmm. um, but as it became online and became more easy, we're seeing a, you know, a tremendous increase in applications for those kinds of things. Um, it's good for revenue for the department. Um, you know, right. they, they, they do make a lot more money. Um, but it's also bad for some of the folks that maybe, you know, you know, if we're going to focus on big game, you know, if, if you're putting in for, um, you know, X4 and you were drawing it every other year and now it takes three or four years because there's 20,000 extra applicants in the, in the, big right. Game. So, um, so, you know, so that's kind of the, like the background of, of, of where it started. Um, and then, um, kind of the why, like, why do we need some of these changes? Not only that it hasn't, we haven't changed at all, really. Um, other than the online system, we really haven't changed at all how, you know, our big game hunts opportunities, the tags that are, that are offered, 
um, those kind of things. The only changes you see is in the number of tags allocated based on what the biologist, you know, recommends. And that's pretty rare. I mean, it, that takes a severe mm -hmm. die off, like a severe event. And then the tags get cut. Yeah. But we're a big state with a lot of geography and huge zones. And I'm, I'm just thinking there's got to be more happening to our wildlife numbers, you know, throughout the state, localized, regionalized zones. Count, uh, there's got to be more going on that, that warrants management um, than just when, you know, there's a big mule deer die off, you know, November of 17, there was the big, that big winter storm that killed a bunch of deer died basically, you know, on an ice ridge. Yeah. You know, there's that. And then I think up north, uh, in one of the X zones on the, in the Northeast, there's a big tag cut, but that's it. Like, come on. Like there's gotta be, there, there haven't been any tags increased yeah. and, and there hasn't been any major of the big Z zones. There hasn't been any tag reductions there. And you can't yeah. tell me that there's the same number of deer in D4 as there were 25 years ago. I mean, maybe, maybe there, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there are, I don't think there are, I doubt it. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, it, it seems like it's been stagnant, except for severe cuts, yeah. which which suggests to me there's room for some more more frequent, like you know, more frequent fine tuning and more creative uh, management adjustments. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think that yeah, all the changes are <laughs> are basically derived by you know what. What they see in populations um and you know that's it you know mm -hmm. and so for these new hunts um it in these new opportunities it takes creativity mm -hmm. and it takes you know it, it does take passion and and you know i've worked with the department a lot and there are some really passionate individuals um you know biologists that that hunt really want to you know be unique in the way they manage um their, their herds and their zones but for the most part, a lot of the biologists that I've met are, are completely tapped out, meaning they have, you know, more work than they know what to do with. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, in order to propose these new things, you have to put together, you know, similar to like what I put together. So, mm -hmm. so after, after that, um, that plan got approved and, you know, the department basically sat on it for a year before I was like, well, I'm going to start you know, taking what we, what we initially proposed, which was very vague, like, um, you know, more late hunt opportunities, uh, more archery opportunities. Those were some of the proposals we put together, mm -hmm. um, very vague, um, but nothing specific. And in working with biologists, you have to have the specifics. Yeah, uh, because if you're going to rely on the biologist to put together the specifics or the department to put the put together specifics, it would uh, never happen. It would basically be where we're at right now with the department just doesn't have time. Right. So and that's fine. I mean, I, I you know, I understand, you know, their their thought on that. And if they're not passionate and making any change, then, you know, yeah, other things are going to be higher on the priority list for them. So. Um, so anyway, it was a priority for me. I, I, I hunt all the Western states. Um, you know, I have a very high credit card bill in the springtime. After <laughs> putting in for all the, 
you know, Nevada, Idaho, you know, Arizona, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah. I mean, you name them, yeah. I put in for it. And, um, you know, I do that because I just love it. And I love the diversity of each state and how they do things. Um, you know, and, and some states are super difficult to get a tag and some are really easy. So yeah. I, I just like it that way. And, um, you know, each, each state has their own way of building points and preference points and bonus points and random draws. And so, um, you kind of have to play the game if you can afford it, if you want to do, you know, one to two out of state hunts a year. Right. Um, and my goal is always to do one out of state trip a year. So if I, you know, play the game, right. I can pretty much guarantee myself a, a decent out of state trip a year. If I, uh, if I play that, play that game. So, yeah. But that's also because you're you're in time. I mean, granted, we we love the 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 adventure. Like I I love the adventure of the hunt from planning through execution is is a massive part of what I get out of it. And so, but you also love the opportunity, like the fact that you can go into a zone that you know maybe it took two three points to go into this zone in Utah or Oregon, which means it's it's a smaller tag allocation. And there's probably more wildlife per square mile than than what you see here, yeah. but that's where. But that same three three point tag in Oregon, well, a maybe they have more opportunities like that than we do, but b it's a ten point tag here. Mm -hmm. um, so how is your petition skewed towards creating more? uh you know draw type you know premium hunt opportunities here in california to, to keep people a little more focused on california um so it's kind of it's got a lot of different goals to it um okay. i would say that the biggest thing is to combat the the significant increase in in um well so there's some some things in my chain my petition that um don't have anything to do with the big game out application seasons or application draw system. Yeah. Um, a good portion of that is big game, you know, hunting, hunting tags. Um, so, so yeah, the overall goal for the, the new hunts, new opportunities for, for big games, such as deer, elk and antelope and sheep um, is primarily to combat the huge increase of the number of applicants we've had in the last five years. Um, because what that is, is it's, it's creating a, um, a short-term goal. Like we're getting a short-term goal of increased revenue for the department, but mm -hmm. you're going to have people quit, um, mm -hmm. especially some of the new people. I mean, I know a number of people this year, especially in 2020 that got their hunter hunting safety because it was all online mm -hmm. and they put in, you know, not understanding it, even though you explain it to them until you're blue in the face that you might not draw and they don't draw. And so then they did it again this year and they didn't draw. So and then they yep. just start to lose interest. And then all of a sudden they don't buy a hunting license in three or four years, which right. I know there's guys listening to the podcast. that are like, sweet, we don't need any more hunters. <laughs> um, but you know, that's, that's fairly short-sighted and I'm, I'm super yeah. short-sighted because I'm about as tight-lipped as it comes when it comes to like sharing information and sure. Um, you know, hunts and things like that on what I put in for or what I do, but um, you know, again, it's, it's short-sighted to think, you know, we, we, we need less hunters, you know, even though if you're out opening day in D3 through five, you're certainly wanting less hunters, but, um, you know, what, what I'd like to do is, is create more, more interest, but also create more opportunity that yep. won't, won't produce a net increase in take in wildlife, but mm -hmm. 
will um, spread basically spread the number of applicants over more more opportunities. Um, and I think I think that'll that'll not only create obviously better better draw odds for people, but it'll also create a, a higher satisfaction level for for certain hunts. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, a lot of our a lot of our hunts. It's uh, you know, we look at like you know, like sheep, antelope, elk in California, and I'm never going to draw. I'm I'll probably never draw any of those because the point creep. I'm so far behind the curve on on max points and point creep and all that. I'll probably never draw, and so the only reason for me to throw in for some of those hunts is to just gamble for that year just hope that i get a random draw tag that year you know which is like a one in ten thousand chance for some of those sure. um which then makes me think well shoot you know there's there's tags and units in other western states for some of those species where i can go over the counter or i can go with one or two points or three points um you know, I, I can, it's, a, it's like, I can reach it. So then it's like, well, why, why, why throw my money gambling on a one in 10,000 when I can throw my money towards another state and get a one in 500, yeah. you know, or a one in 50, you know, after five years. Yeah. Or and so, <laughs> and so if I make that decision, then California's not getting that money. It's not getting that attention. It's not getting that money. And if enough people start doing that, they start not, you know, there's, there's probably 5,000 hunters that, that hunt, you know, five or 10,000 Californians that have the economic means to do whatever the heck they want, honey wise, and they spend all their money out of state. Um, and so we'll shoot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of, uh, you know, nonprofit organization management dollars that they're, we're not getting. That's a lot of just bandwidth and support and money that the state's not getting, um, both through tag sales, but also through everything else that they do that they could do. So I, I love the idea of finding ways to either, you know, keep more animals on the hill or if possible, but also open up more opportunities so that, you know, we've all got some new hunts available to us on that two to five point realm. Um, I will never bother waiting for a, a max points draw tag in California. I won't. Like, I, I, I'm focused on things that take two to five points and would love to see some more opportunities in there because I think there's a lot of people that would pull through and just they, they'd burn their points and they'd use them and they'd hunt more. Um, but how do you do that? How do you how do you not take more animals net net? Like how do you actually, you know, maintain the harvest where it is to where because we can't deplete the resource. We can't go kill all the animals. We can't just have, you know, a bunch of rut rut tags where we all go out and succeed hundred uh, percent, because then the resource is gone. So how do we maintain or even enhance the resource being the wildlife while creating more opportunity um, in the state? Yeah, and so um, yeah, as as we'll run through the the petition, you'll everybody will notice there are a lot of late hunts, and I mean you know, mm -hmm. those are the coveted tags to have in the state. I mean everybody yep. knows. I mean unless you really, I mean I really enjoy hunting hunting bucks in August mm -hmm. um, with my bow, but not everybody can hunt in August with a bow, you know. So 
the those late hunts um, that are you know November some some in December are uh, the most coveted ones and and you'll you look at the regs you'll see tens of thousands of applicants that apply for those as their first choice mm-hmm. um, for and they're vying for less than a hundred tags total probably out of all those hunts right so um, so you have a you have, you have a significant amount of people applying for those those hunts. Um, and they do, they have high success rates. I mean, you know, Doyle muzzleloader and, and, um, the Goodale buck hunt, you know, that you're looking at 70 plus percent, if not more on some years, mm-hmm. um, most guy, you know, most guys are, they, they like to have that type of opportunity, whether you're going to kill a big buck or not. I mean, to be able to go out and see 20 to 30 bucks a day, you know, that's, that's pretty exciting. And that's yeah. those, those hunts are high success is because you're also during that breeding season. Yep. Um, now, yeah, so it's higher success, but you only have 20, 25 tags. Some, some hunts like round Valley only has five tags. Um, so you're not, you know, while you're, while you're taking, you know, let's say 90% of those tags, mm-hmm. um, of that tag allocation, you're not taking tens of thousands of bucks off of the mountain. Right. Um, you know, you're taking, you know, out of 25, you're taking 20. Yeah. Um, now still that's, that can be pretty significant in some units, but for the most part, they're, they're fairly low number of tags. So, you know, by introducing some of these late hunts in some of these more general type units that maybe don't have late hunts, mm-hmm. um, you, I mean, if, if any of these proposals go through the only way to have no net increase of take is by reducing the amount of general tags that are sold. And so, you know, if, if, you know, one of, let's see, let me just look here. So like one of the proposals, um, you know, we have is, is a late, late deer season in D seven zone D seven. Okay. Um, and so, you know, if that's, let's say that's a, there's 20 tags available and you can hunt the entire zone of D seven. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a November hunt, you know, those Mm -hmm. very, very high success. So they're, let's say they're, they're projecting, I'm saying they're, so when I say they're, I'm saying CDFW biologists. Yep. So if they're going to project that, that, you know, that hunt is going to have a 60% plus success rate, they need to figure out how many, what's the success rate of just the general archery and rifle hunt in d7 mm-hmm. and reduce that number of tags based on what that success rate in, in there is so you might see a reduction in d7 of 300 tags um or i don't i don't know what the total allocation right. is but let's from, say from what nine thousand. yeah so just, you'll <laughs> it's see a re- rounding error it's a rounding error you know <laughs> yeah so you'll see a reduction in the general hunts um in order to accommodate what the the take might be may, maybe 20 bucks during that late season hunt right so um so yeah so it's it's one of those things that it, it does take all of these i mean there's 27 proposals that i have on there and a number of those are introducing late or higher success hunts with low tag numbers but that the, what that means is is a reduction in the general tags that will be available um, you know, now going through that exercise, you know, it has to be within reason. You're not going to want to shoot yourself in the foot to have a, have a coveted tag, but by having, you know, if anybody can read, read the, the hunting digest and see that, you know, if, if 10,000 people are applying for X5B because they feel like that's the best rifle 
um, mule deer tag. Yeah. Um, and there's three other opportunities that are, you know, late season rifle tags that are proposed. Mm -hmm. You might see that 10,000 applicants reduced by 3000. You know, right. you might see it reduced in, in completely in half because somebody that always puts in for 5B that's never been there, never hunted it, you know, they're just, you know, they know that it's historically big bucks. Well, maybe they live in Quincy and uh, hunting in November in D3 might be, you know, might get them just a big, a, bu a big a buck and a better, more fun yep. hunt. Yep. So they might switch from hunting or from putting in for X. 5b to putting in for the uh, a new hunt so yeah um so anyway that's that's kind of the premise of all of it is is you know i'm not expecting any of these new opportunities to be two to four point <laughs> unit hunts sure but what not is a, not at a late season not in november not for a yeah. november tag <laughs> yeah but what it what it might they might be five to six point hunts or maybe yeah. five to eight point hunts because you'll see more people dropping off maybe on like, let's say uh, X6A, you know, it used to be three to four points to draw that hunt. And now it's in that five, six, seven point range. Well, you might see that bump back down because people might jump in the pool of these other hunts. So, you know, that premise is, is kind of where it's at. It is not tested in this state at all. Um, you know, the, the last new hunt to be made available for the general public was the round Valley, uh, rifle hunt down there. And, you know, that did take some, some applicants off of the, the, uh, Goodale hunt down there, but Five. then they had that major, uh, that major incident that killed a bunch of deer and yeah. dropped the tag allocations down to five and, you know, people still put in for it, but yeah, I mean, I would probably put in, if I had max points, I would put in for you know, good deal to, because I have, you know, at least 25 tags getting pulled out of the hat and hopefully my name would be on one of them rather. Right. Than so, um, so yeah. Yeah, that's, the, that's the only, the last time they added, you know, a, a, a hunt to these kind of things. And, um, so that's, you know, it's not tested. And so, you know, with this proposal, you know, with these, you know, quite a few new, hunts um i don't expect them all to be approved at once um and i did present to the the commission you know a phased way of of rolling these things out um you know because you know another well let me let me step back so mm -hmm. you know i put these together with biologists that wanted to participate so that's why you see you know the the hunts the locality of these hunts and where they're at are primarily in just a few zones because those biologists were very active in working with me and going, yeah, I would, I would support that hunt. Um, there's other biologists that I never heard from, or they yeah. said, no, I don't have time to even, to even look at this kind of stuff. Okay. So, so most guys, if they see this out there, or they listen to the December meeting and I just discuss some of these, don't feel like I'm neglecting the rest of the state. I mean, I would love there to be, you know, the entire state be overhauled. Yeah. But, you know, we have to take a bite at a time and we have to take a bite at a time at that low hanging fruit. And the low hanging fruit is the ones where we have active biologists that want to sure. support the change. So, I mean, philosophically, the, the, the biggest thing, so like overarching concept, shave off. A, a relatively small number, small percentage of, of of general tags, where we've got literally tens of thousands of tags being issued. 
shave off a small percentage of those, convert them into late late season or other special hunt opportunities with that are attractive, higher success likely, uh, better hunt experience likely, and get more people basically get more people succeeding in the draw like pull you know pull more people through the draw um to make it more interesting make it more fun higher results um how so philosophically yeah if i'm in a zone where you haven't identified something special for me like i need to the reason i need to be behind this still is because we need the department to philosophically start to embrace the idea of doing some new things, creating new opportunities. Heck, they could rotate them. Like it could, they get a, you know, yeah, we've got 15 different hunt opportunities. We're going to rotate them on on two year rotations. You know, every whatever seven and a half years, you're going to see this or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Just we just got to get them to be more active and um and try stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this is nothing new. I mean, so I, I got to meet with, you know, the directors of like Endow mm-hmm. and Utah Department of Natural Resources and um, Idaho Fish and Game, mm-hmm. Arizona Fish and Game, you know, and so this is nothing new. Um, it's new to California, obviously, but I want to convince California that like this is this has shown success in other states. And, you know, like Idaho and Utah are great examples um, you know, that they go through the public comment on their regulations every year, which believe it or not, we all have the opportunity to comment, you know, during these commission meetings when they get put forth. Yeah. Uh, and so like, you know, back in September during the meeting, we could have, we could have said, Hey, we really want a late season hunt in D3 yep. and, you know, done it outside of this petition. So, um, so anyway, you know, the Idaho and and Utah are great examples that they have new hunts happening every year and they have hunts taken away every year, one to meet objective, but also just to, to, you know, answer to the public as well. Right. So, um, so yeah, definitely, you know, if there's people out there listening or, you know, listen to the commission meeting or this gets traction, you know, this is not the be all set all of, of change. But I'm hoping, you know, my overall goal is I'd love for all of them to be implemented and more and more every year. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like at least just a couple of these to be implemented, you know, at a minimum, maybe one or two could be implemented in 2022. Maybe, yeah. maybe three or four could be implemented in 2023 uh, and just set the framework of how this change can happen because I learned a ton on how how we actually put these petitions forward and what, you know, what's a regulation change versus what's a a legislative that has to go through legislation, Mm -hmm. things like that. And, and so if we, if we lay a good framework and, and do, do the work on and actually have some success, then, you know, John Doe down in, in, you know, Bakersfield can be like, Hey, we, we really need a hunt over here in this area. And we have a, a template that they can use. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I've got a handful of questions. Um, <laughs> are bears, do you, do, is there a page that talks about bears in your, in your petition as it current, currently stands? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I can run through them, but yeah, the first thing I was going to talk about was it has nothing to do with the, the big game draw or anything, but okay, um, it's the, the, 
um, the sale of a second bear tag. And so, um, you know, most, most of us have been discussing for years and years and years, well, why doesn't California have a spring bear season? Why doesn't it have a spring bear season? All this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, you know, basically the department has always been, well, that's, that's a legislative thing that would have to go through legislation because it's a brand new season mm. um, outside of what's already in law. And so, and that's, that's again, my understanding of it. So okay. it, you would have to have a political backing to get that through and it have to get passed through a bill in order for that to happen, which hard to do, very difficult to do. <laughs> However, what we do have is we do have a bear season. Yep. You have a bear quota. Yep. Um, we do have, you know, the different methods of how you can harvest, what zones, time frame, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we have the mechanism of, 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 you know, tracking and selling bear tags. And so, you know, the right now the draft proposal is for, um, you know, qualified individuals to purchase that second, that second tag. Mm -hmm. And a qualified individual would be, you know, a successful bear hunter. So all, you know, everybody that, that shoots a bear, like I got a bear this year in October, you mm -hmm. have to take it, you know, you have to take it, I think within 24 hours or 48 hours. And this is bad. I should probably know that, but, mm -hmm. you know, take it either that day or the next business PDFW for them to extract the tooth and validate. Mm -hmm. um, so then at that point, you know, it's validated, you're given, you know, you go in and report your harvest online, you're then eligible to buy a second bear tag. Cool. Um, so, you know, the big pro for those things is it, you know, increases opportunities for folks that just love to hunt bears. Yep. Um, you know, or people that just want that opportunity to continue to hunt, um, yeah. you know, and it also is a big, you know, sale and revenue increase. Yeah. Um, and then the other pro that we added was it was, you know, a, a, it increases bear harvest potentially, you know, there's, mm -hmm. You know, I always like to to say that, you know, most of the bears are killed by the really serious bear hunters. And then, you know, probably 20 percent of them are killed by the opportunity guys, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the really serious bear hunters love to hunt bears and they would buy a second bear tag. And you'd probably see an increase, you know, getting close to that that quota of seventeen hundred. Yep. So um, so there was some flack, you know, and again, I, I you know revolved this petition petition around in these proposals to a number of folks okay just to gauge interest gauge comments you know because i like to try to foresee what the future conflict could be sure and so you know one one guy you know said well what if i didn't buy my bear tag until december that's when i usually like to hunt them and i go on and you know the quotas met already because everybody can buy two bear tags now that that kills one so we talked about, you know, if, if bear harvest was, you know, 80% of the quota, uh -huh. then they could stop the sale of second bear tags. Sure. Um, but that you know, issue exists already, though. I mean, that that risk, that yeah, risk exists no, today. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but you try to look at all the, the, the arrows that can fly at CDFW for these things. Um, besides the sure. anti-arguments, you have the, the, the actual hunters that, that complain about things. Right. And so you try to add those kinds of things in there to alleviate going, oh, well, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So everybody at least gets an opportunity to buy a tag. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, they should be buying it back in September, but most guys don't, you know. I'm a really I'm gonna play devil's advocate just for a second on this. I love the idea. I will take this. I will take this. If this goes through, I will take it and I will be the happiest 
bear hunter in, in, in California right there with you. However, I would say let's let that second bear tag be purchased right up front. Um, if we wait until you succeed, you know, so let's say bear harvest through October, there's like 800. Um, those eight, those 800 people have the opportunity to buy a second tag and maybe half of them do. So 400 times 50 bucks, um, we've raised $20,000 extra for the department with those 400 buying their set, you know, half of the people that harvested through October saying, I'm going to throw down for the opportunity for a second bear before the end of the season. Whereas if the tag, if that second tag is available, when I'm filling out my, my June, you know, my early June tag purchases and draw and all that stuff, I'm going to throw down for that second tag up front because that's just me. And I think a lot of people would be like that, would be opportunistic like that and just say, I'm going to, I'm going to buy that second tag. And at that point we get 10,000 people buying a second tag at 50 bucks a pop and we raise another $500,000 for the agency for CDFW big game fund. Why not? And then we all have the same opportunity. Like we can all go out and hunt. Um, yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. I mean, that's, that's again, you know, all a part of this conversation. Um, so, so how does, so we get, we, you, you get your petition process wise, you put your petition forward and then, um, and then the public can, com can, can comment on elements of it. And then that's how they then mold, they grab a piece of it. They say, we want to do this. They grab a piece of it. Say, we want to try that. You want to change this is, is it, they don't have to approve the petition as it's written. It's kind of, it, it does Correct. the petition just start the conversation? Yeah. So, so what the commission is going to make the decision on, on in December 15th is to whether they want to grant, deny, or refer for additional review. Okay. And so what, what it will, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. Is that it'll get referred for additional review. And that that's where that'll start that review with the department on what might work, what might not work, that kind of stuff. So that, cool. you know, that's where the department would look at it and go, you know, yeah, this makes sense. You know, what we should do is let's put together a, um, you know, a committee to really champion, champion this with you. We'll mm -hmm. assign a biologist, whereas we're going to assign, you know, a person from license and revenue branch. And then Dan, you can bring whoever to the table, um, you know, to to start massaging these and see what we can get implemented. Um, so that's nice. that's where that's at. And then what happens is is once that gets massaged and we go, okay, we're ready for 2023 regulations. These are the new ones being proposed, you know, with this verbiage. Mm -hmm. Then that's where the public has an opportunity to comment. Okay. Or actually, maybe twenty. You said twenty twenty three, but possibly twenty twenty two for some of this. Yeah, so so that's a big question mark. There's a couple things on the petition change that um, I'm hoping we can get done in twenty twenty two. Yep. Um, but since the commission has already moved forward with the big game tag allocations for next year, um, I'm not sure if they can go back and say, "Yeah, let's add X Y Z." Oh. I so see. I, like, like the big game second or the, the bear second tag is something that 
I would think would be fairly simple for them. Right. But, you know, I don't know if, if that has already run its course for 2022's regulation season. Same with like the, the changing of a boundary of a zone. Right. That seems to be fairly simple, but they did, you know, basically vote to put no changes other than the point reinstatement and tag refunds back in September. So, um, so yeah, so it's one of those things that if that ship has already sailed, I'm going to push it as much as I can, but not to a point where it's going to, you know, right. ruin relationship there. Right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So if they've already approved, you know, no changes in, you know, antelope tags, deer tags, then what, you know, the meat of what you're proposing in terms of these reallocating tags from, you know, say general OTC into a premium hunt, that's, that's undoing something they've effectively already approved. But the bear tag idea is like, there is no allocation. There is no, you know, you're not, we're not saying change the quota. We're just saying sell more, yeah. <laughs> sell more bear yeah. tags. <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. If they refer that and the department's like, you know, yeah, this is something that's pretty easy for us to change. Um, you know, yeah, we could see it. Yeah. On February's meet or January or February, I forget what the, the one after this one is. You might see it there and it'd be like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's have the, the commission, you know, either grant this or reject it. Cool. So what are, what are a couple of the, the high points of it that you think are, you know, that you love the most or that you, um, actually I'm gonna back up. Did you, did you keep in, it's kind of an administrative change, but did you keep in how, um, group draws are handled in the how groups are handled in the big game draw if the group doesn't hunt yeah so that is in there and that's okay. definitely one um that is supported and also um not supported in the hunting community so sure. to give people a background on that so basically the the party application return tag rules so mm -hmm. um if if people put in for the western states they know that like um Nevada did this. Uh, Utah was the most recent to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm trying to think what other state I think Arizona, but I'm not I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, so so basically, if you put together put in as a party, mm -hmm. and let's say your average points are um, five, so you and a friend, um, your friend has 10 points, you have uh, zero points. So you right. average it and you have five points, um, you draw x four. Um, and your buddy decides oh, I'm not going. So he yep. turns his tag back, which he's eligible to do that. He gets his points reinstated. Mm. You continue to go on the hunt for zero um, points for zero points. And then next year, your buddy's like, Hey, you want to put in again? Um, you know, and you go ahead and do it again, which is fine. You know, that's, that's the, I would say that's the honest way of doing it. Um, and you know, I, I will never name names because I'm not gonna be that. Oh come on. We all know that but the my mom the, we all know that my mom has her hunting license and she's never, you know, picked up a gun yeah. in her life. Yeah, so <laughs> where you yeah, where you see the abuse and they call it the grandma rule in a lot yeah. of Western cities, um, is where you know John Doe's grandma has max points and John Doe keeps putting in with his grandma every sure. year. And she never hunts. <laughs> yeah. Grandma turns her tag back. 
Um, you know, some some departments really catch on to that. I know sure. Endow really caught on to it. Utah DNR caught on to it and they made the rule change. Yeah. Um, but California, they have so many applicants. I doubt they have somebody watching. Now I'm just, you know, going off a hunch there, but, um, it can be frustrating for a lot of people, especially that people that honestly play the point game and, yep. you know, John Doe gets to go hunt an X zone every year because his grandma doesn't hunt. So, right. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think, um, I think it is a, it is a very reasonable, evolution of the chain of the regs to carve you know to eliminate that loophole eliminate that opportunity uh, you know of course nevada people in nevada figured it out because nobody gets a tag over the counter in nevada like it does it doesn't exist and very few people get a tag over the counter except for archery in arizona nobody yeah. there's very few you know good you know controlled hunt tags in utah that you can get over the counter so they've figured it out and and we should too like truly you know um yeah it's uh you know if you if 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 grandma wants to collect points then let her collect points but you know what when she hunts or when she draws and doesn't hunt her points should go back to zero <laughs> yeah so um i think that's i i mean granted people are like oh that's crazy it's like like, come on, let's be, let's be reasonable, and that's where I think we, as a community, like we need to be reasonable. Like we need to be, um, we need to not be, we need to be guarded about like what's taken away, but we also need to be reasonable and not selfish amongst ourselves and each other. And I think that is a completely acceptable evolution of of the regs that gets more people through the draw. You know. Yeah. that gets more people pulled through on the draw successfully and that's that's we need that yeah well and i mean the department a lot of the department staff especially the license and revenue branch who don't hunt they don't understand that that's even a loophole they don't i honestly i don't think they even care because it's still money being made so um so yeah but more it, money more money would be made i would think somehow like, it's got to be it's not going to be neutral. It's going to be a net positive if if you take that away. Um, and and the data has got to be there. You know, the data in terms of how many party applications are drawn and then have one or more people from the party not hunt, you know, re return where the other significant portion of the party stays and hunts. You know, I mean that that data is in there. Somebody can, we just got to get the right Excel sheet dumped out of the, out of the system to, to see what's going on there. Not but sure. I think that's reasonable. Um, and hopefully the, hopefully the, the more vocal, you know, part of the, the hunting community will, will speak up and, and acknowledge that, that that's something that can be supported. Yeah, what? no, absolutely. What are what are the what are the things that you're most excited about in terms of seeing you know if there was just two two items other than the bear and say that you know what what would you want to see come through, um, you know first. Um, so it's kind of a split. I would say the one that impacts the most people, mm -hmm. um, and you know is probably going to be the most most contentious with sportsmen is, uh, and, but I I kind of like that, but. Uh, mm -hmm is the general deer tag archery and rifle deer rifle separation. And so I know you mm -hmm. and I have talked about this and I think you have some great ideas about it, but you know, we have our general A, B and D zones, 
um, you know, that allow hunters to hunt during the general archery and the general rifle seasons. Um, mm -hmm. And we all know there's, you know, three sets of, of people that hunt those. And that's, you know, you have your archery only guys that, you know, they only participate in that early season archery hunt. You have your rifle only guys that really only hunt during the rifle season. But then you have your combo guys. So you have, you know, guys like yourself, mm -hmm. um, you know, that do both. And they, mm -hmm. they love that aspect of it. Um, however, you know, the, you know, fires, as well as those, those first two that I talked about, the people that just rifle hunt and the people that just archery hunt mm -hmm. are, are starting to be upset with, you know, but let's say the rifle hunters can't turn a tag back since, you know, the closure happened, um, you know, after archery season's already started. So, you know, yep. they're, they're upset, you know, for that reason. And, you know, they, they, they're missing, you know, or they're not missing an opportunity because they're rifle hunting. So it doesn't impact them. Sorry. I said rifle hunters. I meant archery yep. hunters. Yep. So, um, you know, they might, you know, be missing their opportunity. Um, and so, you know, the proposed change I had there was, you know, that the general a, B and D zone tags are really only valid for general rifle season. Okay. And then, I propose, you know, we already have an archery only tag um, and proposing adding additional dates to those archery only tag zones. And so mm -hmm. basically a hunter who purchases an archery only tag can hunt, you know, a nine additional days following after the rifle season closes. So, um, so but not during, but not during general. No, after the rifle season closes. So got it. Um, so, you know, like, and this, this was something that, you know, through talking with you as well as the, the biologist down in D six, yeah. you know, he, you know, the general rifle season, September 18th through October 31st, yeah. um, you know, then you could make a general archery only season for D six be that August through September, like it is now, mm -hmm. but then also you get to hunt November 1st through the 7th with your, with your bow. So yeah. it creates an additional opportunity for that, that separation. Now, what it does is the combo hunters lose their opportunity there. Yeah. Um, but there's ways to hopefully alleviate that. I know you had some ideas, Mike, about, you know, buying, buying into different zones so you can hunt that way. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but, but it is one of those things that it's something, I mean, it, this is something that will not, I, I can guarantee right now we wouldn't see this happen for at least another three or four years because it it's something brand new. Yep. Um, you know, it's not brand new to a state like Oregon right across the border. Right. Um, you know, where a person can buy a, a general deer tag for like the western slope of, of Oregon and they can hunt, you know, the early archery and then they can hunt a late archery that's in November and December. So it's it's yeah. not out of the realm of of what other states do but it's something brand new for this state it's like arizona's uh, archery tag i mean arizona's archery tag you can hunt you know 20 different zones across one to three seasons each yeah um you know and, and they toggle it they you know if a, if a particular zone there's too much harvest going on they might take it off the table for a year or two um so it's it requires very active management of the units um what i think our units are too big i mean you know how do you, how do we get the zones redrawn or split up like like d6 
has got <laughs> it is it is such a and, and of course d3 through five are mm-hmm. you know the b zones are, our zones are huge especially since we've got multiple zones commingled into under under single tags does yeah. your petition look at breaking some of those zones up so the only the only zone that it talks about breaking uh breaking up is the c zones uh, okay. i agree with you that that a lot of the zones are very big. Yeah. Um, but in talking with some of the biologists that I have been, um, I have been told it's a, it's going to be a real hard stretch to modify an existing zone boundary. Now it doesn't okay. mean it can't be done, but um, to create a new zone boundary is something that I guess has been proposed in the past and the department has not been supportive of because they fear compliance issues and, you know, people, have hunted the zones for X amount of years. And then, you know, all of a sudden that changes and they, you know, th- those kinds of things. So that's what been, has been conveyed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I didn't look at all the zones. Um, mm-hmm. The only zone I looked at for splitting this is the C zones. Cause it's C one through four, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, everybody's been around. If, if anybody's been around at least the last 10 years, I've noticed that C zones used to be really easy to just pick up. Um, you know, as a second or third choice. Right. Now they're becoming almost a premium tag. Um, right. And so I think by, by separating those out, um, and I've hunted all the C zones, and basically, you know, some of the C zones like C4 are much more popular than, you know, a zone like C2. Um, however, there's, there's guys that all they do is hunt C2, and they don't get to hunt C2 every, uh, every year. They have to wait every other year because they can't draw it on a, on a second choice. So, Got it. so I think by breaking those up, you, you do reduce flexibility for hunters, you know, like this year, my wife had a C zone tag and we hunted C4, C3 uh-huh. and C2, you know, and it was nice to have that flexibility, you know, but also, you know, it, it she, she doesn't draw season on every year and I don't draw season on every year. So, um, I think we might be able to draw it every year or people might be able to draw it every year, especially if it's broken up. Right. Um, and it also reduces, you know, hunter congestion. If anybody's hunted season on opening day around Chester in C4, they notice that probably every season hold season tag holder is in Chester. <laughs> Um, you know, but, Interesting. but, you know, you might go up to C1 or C2 and, and, you know, you'll see people, but not nearly the numbers. So, um, so that is one zone we talked about breaking up. Yeah. Um, there was a discussion and I did leave it in there about splitting some of the X zones like X3B and X5B, um, because there are definitive boundaries like highways mm-hmm. that, that are easy to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, Though I, I took X5B out, I left X3B in there just because I, you know, I wanted to have that as an option in there. Yeah. Um, so the department could at least recognize it that, you know, this is something that could be fairly easy. Um, and, you know, X3B is the biggest X zone out there, second to X2. You know, there's guys that they only hunt one spot. Um, yeah. you know, we all, know that, you know, and, and D zones are another great example, D three through five, there's no reason they can't split those up, um, into three. However, you are always going to have the people that want the flexibility that will be against it. And I, I totally, I totally see eye to eye to them with them, yeah. um, on that. Um, but I think there's, I think there's definite, definite trade-offs for, for 
moving those around. Yeah. Um, no, I, I now agree. the other, other thing we're doing now the other thing we're doing with zones is um, we have a couple like really low hanging fruit, and those are uh, the ones up here in X six A is the Bass Hill Archery and the Bass Hill Muzzleloader hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who knows those hunts, they're only for the Lassen County portion of X six A. Mm-hmm. And um, in in discussions with the biologists, that that boundary was drawn back in the '90s because they didn't think people would hunt the rest of X6A. They figured everybody would just hunt the winter range. Well, right. We don't really have winters uh, much during those seasons. I mean, no. sometimes during the archery hunt, which is in November and December, but you know, definitely the the muzzleloader hunt isn't. Uh, you know, October and we're not having any issues there. So, yeah, um, we, we, we have it in the proposal to make both of those, um, hunts for the entire zone of X6A. Okay. Uh, spread out. Just allow, it allow more flexibility. There's some really great deer in the rest of X6A during that time. So it'll hopefully increase satisfaction because a lot of people are frustrated, especially during that Bass Hill muzzleloader hunt. Um, cause it, it's a lot of private land and, not a lot of deer because it's October. So, um, right. so anyway, we have, we have those things for changing boundary line They're not changing boundary lines, but it would just be adopting the entire boundary of X6A for that unit, which yeah. that those two changes, I think are very low hanging fruit that they can make, you know, for 2022 for changes for, for those hunts. Okay. Um, and then beyond that, what that can hopefully do is snowball effect into some of these other hunts. I mean, um, you know, Doyle muzzleloader and, and, uh, the good Dale hunt and round Valley. I mean, they all are portions of a zone mm-hmm. for those specific hunts. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that unless there's really a management concern with having, having hunters full access to the entire unit. Right. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of, you know, on the right year with the right weather conditions, it's, it, it almost becomes like shooting fish in a fishbowl, you know, like ever, all the hunters are right there on the winter range where they're going to migrate to. So on those years, it could be a, a slaughter. And in other years, it might be a waste of time because the deer are still really dispersed. And I like the idea of, of having it to where, you know, get, let the hunters disperse, let the, let the guy like me, you know, with the crazy idea that all the deer are still up at 9,000 feet after two feet of snow, you know, go up there and find out they're not there. <laughs> you know, let, let, let hunters disperse a little bit. Um, I think makes sense on that. And then the flip side, as new hunts are created, you know, Maybe that maybe new hunts, if it's hard to carve a zone up, uh, you know, you can't break D6 up. It's one big block of real estate. But maybe if there's a special hunt that's created, it's targeted towards a, a geography or a north or an east or a west portion of D6. So I think I think there is a lot. Yeah. I think there could be some creativity there that either yeah. um, disperses people, disperses pressure, or um, you know, in terms of new opportunities helps define, you know, define one of these new special hunts in a way that it's, and then it's easier to test. It's easier to measure the, measure the impacts too, if it's in a, if it's in a defined area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, 
yeah, I mean, I have a lot of changes for general methods, muzzleloader, archery. I mean, for general methods, I, I tried to pick the low hanging fruit, like, you know, a late hunt in a zone north, a late hunt in a zone south. Right. Um, I did pick something brand new. Um, it would be a wilderness early rifle hunt in snowy mountain wilderness. Um, oh, cool. You know, and, and, you know, a late hunt in D6 and D7, you know. Yeah. And so those are some easy easy hunts that the biologists seem to be on board with except for the the wilderness hunt i haven't been able to contact anybody but i just wanted to leave that in there for you know just something that's way outside of the box that some other states like colorado are doing those kinds of things which are yep. you know unique um that don't have a, a tremendous amount of impact and then yep. yeah for muzzle loaders you know we we broke it down like d3 through five having late muzzle loader hunts um, there's some really large state forest run in the state of California. And so we put like a muzzleloader hunting in the Jackson state forest that's over in the A zone, mm -hmm. um, on the coast. And, um, and then, you know, I talked a little bit about splitting up the, the C zone rifle hunts, but also splitting up the C zone archery hunts to those different specific ones. Okay. Um, and maybe doing a late archery hunt in C1 through C3. So, um, you know, doing, doing some, something that's a little bit outside of the box and, yeah. um, you know, providing a little bit more opportunity that, you know, even a late hunt in C1 through C3, C3 might not have very high success compared right. to some of the rifle hunts. Um, and then one that I thought's kind of cool is, is, you know, with all the closures this year, I got to hunt over on the King range this year in B4. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's a really rugged, unique piece of BLM, um, you know, and doing a late, a late archery hunt there would be really, really kind of, kind of unique. Um, cause you're not dealing with migratory deer, you're dealing with blacktails and during mm -hmm. the rut and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's definitely in a geographic area that's easy to define. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So for people that are listening to this and think this is just all crazy talk, um, I, I think, we as a hunting community need to have an open mind to new ideas and support some of the new ideas. Um, and then also, I think it's worth looking at what some other states are doing. Um, like you mentioned the, the rifle, early rifle, snowy mountain wilderness. Um, that reminds me of Washington state's high buck hunt, where basically it's a, it's a high alpine wilderness hunt. You know, you basically have to hike in. And, but you can use a rifle, you know, when, when the other rifle zones aren't open, like it reminds me of that. And then I like the idea of having some hunt opportunities and I've gone as far as saying it should be our second tag, <laughs> um, conditioned on certain behavior. Like, like there's a lot of states where you don't get a second tag in the state unless you're doing something, unless it's, there's some unique, you know, draw or or there's something unique happening like in utah there's the um there's like it's a oh, it's like the it's they call it the dedicated hunter tag and you get yeah. a tag that you can you can hold for three years i think it's two, actually two or two tags don't quote me because i'm gonna get it wrong but the concept is two tags that you have over a three-year period and you get access to special zones if you demonstrate either by financial or or time commitment to nonprofit orgs that deal with conservation you get this you get this opportunity and i you know i think 
there's things that we could be doing as a community. I know this this isn't in your petition, so I'm I'm hijacking for a minute, but I just think that that we as a community, you know, we can we can start rewarding, um, you know, our attention to habitat management, our attention to conservation support, with with opportunities, um, and or or like you know the like the wilderness hunt ideas. I, I just think this is where there's so many different things that are being done with other states where we've got a ton of opportunity. In there, and it's almost like there's no wrong answers. As long as we're leaving the resource intact, like we're not over harvesting. Um, and the one thing I like about the habitat stuff is in the conservation stuff is the concept there is but we're investing in in more animals being on the landscape um so that, I don't know, that's my that's my that's my preaching um i know it's not in your petition but i i think we need to find ways to to hold ourselves to a standard where we reward ourselves if we're doing things that put more animals on the landscape no and i i completely agree with you and i think you know creative thinking is is where it all starts and i think i talked about it that the the department just isn't going to just make up this stuff on their own. Nope. Um, it's, it's if people like you and me and the masses really come together and go, we want this. Yeah. Um, this is how this should look. And yeah, there's, there's always going to be people against it. I mean, I've worked in the government long enough. You can be giving everybody a gold brick and there's going to be someone complaining about it's it. Too heavy. So it's just one of those things that, you know, this is just hopefully the start. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I just think it, it's a, you know, it's something that the department needs to start taking seriously, but people need to realize that, you know, the, the countless amount of hours I put into this, need to be done for every proposal. So like, I mean, yep. I've, I've sent this around to, you know, not a ton of people, but a, quite a few people and people are like, oh, we'll make a late hunt in, um, you know, <laughs> D17. And I'm like, well, send me what you propose. And right. And it's cricket after that. I'll put, I'll so, put a page in, I'll put a page in, you write it, I'll put a page in. And that's, yeah, yeah no, I, yeah. uh, I get it, man, because for the last year I've been like, oh, I got all these ideas. I've shared ideas with you. I'm like, but oh, yeah. have I sat down and written it? No, I, I haven't. And so yeah, that that's time. where, that's where, you know, this is in writing. Like you've put this document together and unless somebody has um, another page to add to it, like, it's just like, we got it. We just need to be supportive of, of, of new, of some new work and new ideas. Um, so this meeting is next week, right? It's the 15th. Yeah. The 15th and 16th. And okay. I'll be, I'm on agenda item number 15. Um, yeah. 15, a the petition 2021 Okay. And, um, you know, so, so there'll be opportunities to comment during that, um, that item. Okay. Um, however, there will also be, you know, opportunities, in the beginning to comment just under general public comment. And these are items that are not under the agenda where yeah. you know, that can just be something where you can say in general, you know, you're in supportive of that petition and you appreciate like the department even, you know, acknowledging it kind of thing. Yep. 
Um, and the best, the yeah. best reasonable expectation, like if we're to ask for anything, they're not going to approve it outright. We we know that. Yeah. So the best ask is is to say that we're 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 there to support 2021-17, and we want it referred for additional review. Additional review. Yeah. Because that's what keeps it alive puts it into CDFW's hands officially to then start working on the pieces that are in there. Yeah. Okay. Is it in a format that people can review yet or is that not, is it not a document in the public record that people can actually see and start like, you know, <laughs> sending you messages about? You know, I looked in, um, they haven't updated the uh, website yet with the, um, the, commission meeting documents usually they have document attachments okay um, and i don't see it in there like any of those petitions that are going to be discussed but usually okay. they are so i'll be curious if they upload the petition um and the proposal you that's know right. the day of or the day before kind of thing yeah that's right they've got their full packet that they'll make available at some point all right well if i i will try to keep an eye on that you i'm sure you are too like probably daily or twice daily so let me know let me know when that's live um well and feel free i mean this is at a point where i'm fine with sharing with the masses because yep. it is a public document at this point so um, you know, definitely put my contact information uh, email in your podcast and, and people can reach out and I can send them copies. I've, I've done that already to a number of individuals. So. And then uh, you, you had some, uh, some of the, the conservation orgs involved in this, because I know elk or you, you touch on elk. Uh, I think you touch on antelope too, don't you? Um, Yep, I touch on elk, antelope, and sheep. Um, okay. There's not, there's nothing, nothing proposed for antelope at this point. Okay. Um, but for elk, you know, elk and sheep are are fairly big money makers. But elk in particular are the ones that have been hit the hardest for the department for the the closure <laughs> due to fire. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, from a a biologist standpoint. You know, there's no reason, you know, if they're, they're allocating tags to, to kill elk or to take elk, to harvest mm -hmm. elk. Mm -hmm. um, there's no reason in my mind to have a five-day season for elk um, unless you have multiple seasons like Grizzly Island. But, you know, right. for seasons like, like Marble Mountains and Siskiyou are a good example. You know, those are your best draw odds for people that, you know, have max points or a few mm -hmm. under kind of thing because there's, there's a lot of tags. Um, you know, they allocate those tags for 100% success, even though they don't have that. Mm -hmm. So why not have, you know, a long season? Um, mm -hmm. Why not, you know, for Marble Mountains and Siskiyou, it's September 8th through the 19th. Well, that's, you know, right in prime fire season in those areas. Right. So, you know, the last two years they've been closed. And so why not make it September through November? Um, yeah, you're not gonna, you know, you're still only have 40 people hunting elk out on the landscape. So it's not increasing the amount of pressure. Um, if anything, it's spreading it out. And, yep. you know, I, I just think, you know, those longer seasons are a better mechanism to go for um, elk, especially um, because it is there's so few a tags. And, you know, if you don't want people returning tags, make the season a long season, you know, and, and you know, it's not it's not going to impact anything as far, well uh, and, and why not have some elk hunts that are that are a 10 percent harvest success 
Yeah. Like, you know, arch, archery elk in Colorado, archery, archery elk in, in most states, other than like primo rut hunt, primo units rut hunt. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, your, your success is often, you know, 10, 15 percent. And so if the population's there, um, well, just I, I just it comes to mind, like, why not? Why not have more opportunity where people can get out and do it? And have that experience, um, even if the even if the harvest success is lower, you know the tag that people will throw in for it based on how badly they want to go out and do it. You know they may burn ten points on a low odds hunt just because they want to go do the hunt. Yep, absolutely. So have you and you've consulted with like you know, I guess what I'm getting at is besides contacting you know besides attending the meeting virtually and saying. I'm in favor of you guys referring this for consideration or emailing fishing game and saying, you know, please refer to this. Mm -hmm. Are there other channels that we as a community should go to? Like, should we be going to California deer association? Should we go into mule deer, mule deer foundation saying, Hey, look, what's on the, look, what's on the radar now, you know, please get involved. Please be a part of this. Yeah, Does that I help? Absolutely. It helps. I mean, so the only two organizations that I've, I've shown this to, uh -huh. um, is uh, California deer association and the national wild Turkey Federation. So, okay. you know, that's, that's fairly limited. I know backcountry backcountry hunters and anglers might have, I know they were on the, the R3 committee that I was on. So they've seen a lot of this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe mule deer foundation has seen this, but not at this stage. And so, Okay. Um, yeah, I, I would love to pound the pavement more with those organizations to get more support. Um, I have shared this with also Bill Gaines just recently mm -hmm. to make sure he's, you know, he's aware of it because he yeah. represents a lot of those organizations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if we can get this referred um, through not only just logic and, and support, but, um, you know, in order for it to get granted down the road, we're going to have to have... Um, have the masses shows up show up to support some of these things. Yep. Yeah. And this is this is the type of stuff, you know, obviously, um, you know, a second bear tag, there will be the usual naysayers of of anything, any any expansion of hunting opportunity, they will they will come out in force. But hopefully it's the same, you know, 20 to 50 people that they see all the time. That is where we as a community need to show up in in the hundreds like we need to be on that zoom call in the hundreds logged in and the emails that have submitted support in the hundreds or thousands um and so this is where i mean this this document to me is the beginning of us having something that is officially recognized as in play for discussion to evolve and really modernize the opportunities that we've got in California over the next several years. Um, and so it's, it doesn't have to be perfect at any one time, but what it, but, but it does need to be supported. So, yeah. And it. so I do, I mean, I do think that, you know, definitely utilizing public comment during these meetings would be great. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if, if you're not going to just, you know, basically, you know, support in general. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think right under number 15, when they ask for public comment, mm -hmm. you know, just, 
just basically, yeah, raising your hand and saying, I support 2021 017 mm-hmm. um, to at least get reviewed, you know, um, uh, referred for additional review. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there's some things that you don't agree with on it. I mean, to yep. be honest with you, there's some things I don't agree with on it, but <laughs> you know, it, or that would impact me greatly. But sure. one of those things that, you know, I'm just one person and this might impact the masses more than just, just my individual hunting season. Yeah. Yeah. I know this is awesome. Well, um, we're, we're, we're pushing about an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, we could, we could go on at length about it. I, um, I really appreciate your time on this. Uh, I think the timing is just right. You know, we've got about a week and a half before this is, is in front of the commission. And, um, I, you know, as a, it, this will stimulate a lot of conversation and a lot of ideas. And I hope it stimulates a lot of support for those new ideas and, uh, and opportunities. So I'm, I'm stoked to have the opportunity to get this out, uh, into the public, you know, conversation. And, um, and I'm looking forward to hopefully we get, you know, a couple dozen people there at the meeting itself to, to say that we support it being referred for a review and then, and then see where it can go. Because this, this is the kind of document that I think we've, it's, it's well-crafted. It's, it's very fully thought out. You've had people look at it that know, you know, know the ins and outs of CDFW and fish and game. You've had biologists look at it. This is not just some ad hoc, you know, hey, we need, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's been, it's been developed. And, um, and to that, I thank you for putting the work into it up front. And now it's time for, you know, the community to get behind it and support it being worked on some more uh, to where we can see it come together. So, you know, thank you for, for doing that and, and involving the community and giving the community an opportunity to, to get behind it. No, I appreciate it, Mike. And um, cool. yeah, instead of doing my contact information, I can yeah. just, I don't know if you can uh, upload it to either Instagram or, uh, or whatever your, your uh, hunting and easy site, but I yep. can send you the copy of the petition and the regulation change that people can just view it from there. Yeah. Um, but definitely you can, you can still put my email up and people can reach out. I'll put your email up. Um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a website yet, <laughs> but I will figure out a way for people to get it in a, in a PDF format. Um, if you've got a, in, if you've got a PDF that's, you know, that, uh, people can review it on and well, and then once the, once it's linked up on, on CDF, on the fishing game meeting documents, we'll have that link up too. So I'll have your email. Do you have an Instagram that you use that to, to communicate with people or anything else that we should, we should include? Um, any, uh, followers and I kind of keep it that way, but yeah, okay. it's Dan, Ryan, Dan Ryan, 23, um, Dan Ryan, 23. All right. Well, you'll have some stalkers now to, to, yeah. to looking you up. So, but I, I we'll, we'll focus on your email and we'll focus on getting it linked out once it's up on the, uh, the fishing game commission, um, meeting. And, uh, you're going to see me pumping this out quite a bit as much as I can through, through the social media. Um, I've probably got about 50 people that have, have, you know, either registered and or attended some of the, the pre-game kind of the pre-game, the, the pre-meeting calls that I've done where we prep people. And so I may try to get one of those together and rally some troops, um, it, which you'll, of course, you'll be invited to. So um, anyways, thanks for doing this and kicking it, kicking it off. Um, looking forward to supporting you in this and we'll see where we can take it. Awesome. Thank you.
All right, Dan, take care. We'll talk to you later. Okay, another thanks to Dan Ryan for all that information and putting together so much, uh, putting so much time into creating a petition that we can we can be excited about that puts new ideas on the table for Fish and Game Commission, and also for helping you know bring to light uh, for me and, and everybody here what's going on in that same meeting with the tag returns, that uh, tag returns are going to be considered as well for um, 21, 2021 season, and uh, I believe. The regulatory changes may be in place for future as well. So resources, uh, obviously you can see a lot uh, and get a lot of resources through the Hunting Ain't Easy um, Instagram page. Uh, I have Dan's petition and I'm happy to email it to you. Uh, so you can email me or, or drop me a, a direct message on Instagram at Hunting Ain't Easy. Give me your email address and I'll send you uh, the petition in its PDF format that Dan's given me. Um, the other place that you should go for resources is the Fish and Game Commission site itself. It, just go into Google and search um, California Fish and Game Commission meetings, and you're going to get to a uh, website, fgc.ca.gov slash meetings slash 2021. And the last meeting of the year is the December 15 to 16 meeting. And our agenda items related to hunting are gonna be on the 15th. You can click through there and you can see the agenda. You can see the meeting documents and in the meeting documents, they will have additional links out to specific agenda items such as Dan's document when it's linked, it's not there yet. Um, or to the proposal, proposed regulations for the tag returns. So again, feel free to drop me a, a DM on Instagram, Hunting Ain't Easy, and or Google Fish and Game Commission California meetings and get down to the bottom of that page. You'll see the December 15th meeting information. Um, the meetings are, are held through Zoom. Uh, there's, a, there's a PDF on that page where they tell you how to get into the meeting and join it. And, you know, it feels awkward sometimes, but um, you can do public comments. If you can't stay for the entire meeting, you can get jump into public comments in the first half hour or so. And just express that you're a hunter, that you're involved, you're engaged, and you're excited to see them being responsive to hunter interests and needs. And that uh, you support what they're doing in terms of the tag returns and you support the uh, Dan Ryan proposal to be referred to. CDFW for more review. So it can be a simple 15 to 20 second spiel if you want. Um, if you want to get into line item detail about any of these items, then uh, that's where you want to actually speak during the specific agenda item, um, public comment period about that item, and you can get as granular as you want. Um, but again, most importantly, Dan's petition is not going to be approved as is in whole next Wednesday. It could be set aside and not moved forward at all if we don't support it. So we need to support it. We need to support the concept of creative problem solving in terms of the CDFW and fishing game, modernizing the approach and their thought process to respond to wildlife management in a way that supports hunting, 
supports hunters and much of what's in this petition uh, does that. And if it doesn't do it directly, it definitely does it in terms of, you know, philosophically and, and um, gets these dialogues started. So that's the key is we want this petition referred to CDFW for additional review and consideration. Um, all right. Look forward to seeing your notes and comments uh, through Instagram direct messages. Drop me your email. I'll send you the petition documents that I've got from Dan. And uh, we look forward to um, a winter season of building some consensus and energy around new ideas that benefit hunting and hunting opportunity in California. Thanks, everybody.